being used of God and can hinder us from the blessing of God in using us in such a time as this. I want us to see today, in the midst of ungodliness, in the midst of a selfish king, in the midst of Persian rule, God was still at work. Now, before we get started this morning, I want to remind you of a couple things. Um, when we read in the Bible, sometimes our human minds uh, have a hard time understanding, and sometimes in our humanity, even accepting it. Obviously, God is, and God wants us to have faith and believe in Him, and regardless of what life dishes out, whether we understand it or not, we have to remember that our picture of God comes from the Word of God. Um, and I think it's important for us to remember that. Uh, if you have been saved for any length of time, maybe if you haven't been saved for any length of time, uh, there are sometimes things that people have to face. Uh, let me say it this way. Probably all of us have asked ourselves this question at some point in our life. Why did God let this happen? Couldn't God have stopped it? Couldn't there have been another way? And so I, I want to remind us of a couple things um, that we need to remember. Number one, bad happens in life because there are bad people in life. And you'll understand why I'm laying the groundwork for this before we get into the story of Esther here. So I just want to help us because I don't want, there are going to be things that I might say that your brain might get derailed just a little bit. I'm trying to prevent that, all right? Um, God gave all of us a free will. Some people choose to exercise their free will against God, against the work of God, and choose to do evil, all right? And so we need to remember that bad happens because there are bad People. I've alluded to this already. We need to remember to let the Bible define God, not our experience. And often we get in the Word of God and we say, God is, God is, until something happens in our life. And the devil will try to get in there and the devil will try to challenge what you know to be true about God. Uh, churches are full or were full of individuals that now don't go to church anymore because of an experience that happened to them that went contrary to maybe what they thought about the Lord, and hence they let the experience trump truth. All right? So we need to make sure we remember the Bible defines God. Number three, we need to remember this God is God. And we are not. And we need to let God be God. And sometimes if you ever work with somebody and they have their job and you have your job and they kind of get in, try to get in your territory, and you say, hey, you do your job and let me do my job. And there are times when in our humanity uh, we have a hard time letting go. And uh, his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts, and we need to let him be God, all right? And what I want us to leave here this morning uh, with one thought. I want us to leave here, no matter what, we need to recognize that God 
is still at work. When we look at this, Esther's a great, great, great illustration of God working behind the scenes. We like to have it all figured out. We like to know it all. We like to understand it all. We'll never know it all. We'll never understand it all. We'll never have it all figured out. We have to let God be God. All right? I want to give you, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give you my three thoughts for this morning right out of the gate here. We'll read some scripture and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. All right? Our main thought is this. God is still at work. God is still at work. I'm going to give you three thoughts concerning this this morning. Number one, God is still at work when you receive bad news. God is still at work. Number two, I hope to show you from this passage of Scripture that God is still at work when you experience bad circumstances. God is still at work. And number three, I want us to see from this story, God is still at work when you face bad people. All three of these are realities in 2024. And they were realities in the book of Esther. Esther chapter number two really talks about two characters. It talks about Esther and it talks about Mordecai. We're going to look next week, Lord willing, at Mordecai. Next week's message will be entitled, A Certain Jew. I want us to see this week, the message is simple. God is still at work. Look with me as I begin reading Esther chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 to 4. We'll have prayer, and then by God's grace, we'll show you what the Word of God has to say about Him being at work. Verse 1 of Esther 2. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Haggai, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Let's have prayer. Lord, we need you today. We need you every day. And I need thee every hour, the songwriter wrote. Lord, we ask you for this hour that you would fill me with your spirit. And Lord, you'd help me to communicate truth as you would have. Lord, you know each one here and the needs that each has. Lord, you know the needs of those that are watching via live stream. I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do and that you would meet needs. And Lord, you'd glorify yourself. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, God is still at work when you receive bad news. Almost four years have passed since Vashti was dethroned. Sometimes when we read the scripture, we just think the next day, the next chapter happened. Almost four years had passed since she was dethroned. The king came home from defeat in battle. I think he was missing his wife Vashti. Even though he had a harem of women, he still missed her. 
In verse number two, you'll see that the king is counseled not to restore Vashti. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. Don't send, don't restore Vashti, but send servants into the land and take single women and bring them to the palace so you can choose a new wife. Can I use the word abduct? Look at verse number four. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti, and the thing pleased the king, and he did so. One commentator said this, quote, Knowing the king's strong sensual appetite, the counselors suggested that he assemble a new harem composed of the most beautiful young virgins in the empire. These young women were conspired against their will and made part of the royal harem. Every night the king had a new partner, and the next morning she joined the rest of the concubines. If she wasn't chosen, she was there for the rest of her life, never to marry. Historian Herodotus validated this as he described Xerxes as indulging himself in immoral behavior after his defeat by Greece. Imagine being living in this time period. Imagine hearing the news. I don't think there's any of us that would, wouldn't say that is bad news. I wonder how many young gals hid. I wonder how many parents had to lie. I wonder how many gals just grabbed some old dude and proposed to him so that they could be married. <laughs> We had, when I was at, uh, in college, we had a, a day that they set aside that was called reverse courtesy. And uh, we called it in the guys' dorms reverse curse. And uh, you see, what was it? Well, it was a day that the gals were allowed to ask the guys out uh, for a, an outing or something like that that they had with their little uh, uh, society. And we always got the lecture a week or two beforehand that if you get asked by a girl, you really need to do everything you can to try to say yes. Well, uh, I was so thankful that that was one of those times where uh, I was thankful that I had a job. And uh, I had to work my way through college, and it was really just a tough, a tough go of it. I had to work my way, so I had a good excuse, you know. <laughs> um, in this picture here, obviously I make light of that, in this picture is some serious bad news. And, uh, and yet, when we think about it, I, 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 I don't like bad news. I don't think anybody likes bad news. Um, when you think about it, imagine being a young gal in this story and hearing the news that the king is looking for a new wife. And the king, we'll talk more about it, and the king could come to your house and take you. Now think about the world in which we live in. I don't know how many of you are news people or not news people. If you listen to too much news, you can get depressed. <laughs> All right? There's, there's hardly any good news that's coming out there. But you say, well, I want to know enough about the news so I can stay informed and so that I can pray intelligently. And there's a balance out there somewhere. But life is full of bad news. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, um, uh, God is still 
in control. Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 35, the Bible says this, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? God is in no way limited. God's ability is not limited at all, no matter how much bad news is out there. Can you hold your place in Esther 2 and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and chapter number 8. The Gospel of Luke and chapter number 8, and I want to read a story about an individual that received bad news. The Bible says in Luke 8 and verse number 40. Luke 8 and verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying, but as he went, the people thronged him. Now, he's headed to this guy's house, and while he's headed to this house, the crowd throngs him, and you read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And we are going to pick up at the end of that story. He says, daughter, verse 48, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. While he spake, verse 49, again, where is he headed? He's headed to this guy's house, Jairus' house. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. Someone comes and brings to him, hey, listen, I just came from the house, and I want you to know that his daughter is dead. Bad news. Leave Jesus alone. Trouble not the master. Accept the bad news. Interesting what Jesus does, because he's not limited by bad news. He's not limited at all. He says in verse 50, when Jesus heard it, he answered and said, fear not. Believe only and she shall be made whole. By the way, there's a great solution for us when you receive bad news. Fear not, believe only. Our theme last year was believing God no matter what. Fear not, believe only, Jesus says, and she shall be whole. And if you know the story, he comes to the house, verse 51. He suffered no man to go in. And, and, and uh, uh, except uh, Peter and James, the father and mother of the maiden. Verse 52, and all wept and wailed. He says, weep not, she's not dead, but sleepeth. Now look at this. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. By the way, when you choose to believe only, and you choose to fear not, there'll be individuals that'll laugh at you. There'll be individuals that'll say, you're crazy. Hey, but we're not worried about what others think. We're worried about what God can do. And he put them out, verse 54, took her by the hand, said, Maid, arise. Her spirit came, she rose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And he works a miracle in the face of bad news. Number one, we need to remember that God is still at work, even when we receive bad news. Esther chapter 2, I want you to see a second thought here. This morning as we look at Esther chapter number 2, and I want you to look 
at verse number 7. And he brought up Hadessa. The word Hadessa means myrtle. That is Esther. Her name means star. His uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. By the way, probably both of her parents were killed. You do not see bitterness in her life. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, there you go, took for his own daughter. He takes her in. And the Bible says in verse 8, So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and where many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. What do we have? Bad news turned into bad circumstances. By the way, just because you hear bad news doesn't mean that that's going to play out. Sometimes we can get all rattled over things that never happen. Remember the Y2K scare? <laughs> remember how things going to Remember, remember all, all the talk that goes around. People do everything they can. The devil wants us to live in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So a lot of the bad news that comes our way, it, it doesn't even affect us. But in this case, bad news turned into bad circumstances for Esther. We think about this from what we can tell. Esther is a pure, young, virgin girl. Some make her the age of a teenager. Xerxes, a middle-aged man. The Bible doesn't give us all the specifics. One commentator said she was between 12 and 15. The king around 40. She was taken not of her own will. She was submitted, we know, to her uncle. We know she wasn't bitter about the death of her parents. Look at verse number 12. Bible says in verse 12, Now when every maid's turn was come to go into King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months, according to the manner of women, for sir were the days of purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. What are they doing? They're preparing them to go in and to see and really be with this king. Not her choice, not her doing. Bad circumstance. Verse 13, thus when, it just describes, thus, then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given to her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. But in the evening, verse 14, in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned in the second house of the women to the custody of, uh, you can pronounce his name, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubine. She came into the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Bad circumstance. By the way, Esther didn't let the bad circumstance of her parents affect her. She stayed submitted to Mordecai. She didn't say to him, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to obey you, which is sometimes the heart of individuals that have had kind of a rough family situation. They're so bitter, they don't want to listen to anybody. Mordecai said, hey, don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. Yes, sir. 
I'm not going to tell anybody. She was submissive. She comes in here, we'll see in just a little bit, uh, God works in a, in a miraculous way, but she's in a situation that she did not let destroy her. She determined to keep her eyes on God in spite of the pain she faced in life. I don't want to minimize the pain that any of us have faced. Life is hard, but we can't let the devil get us thinking that God is not at work in our lives. Some people that have faced difficulty have thought or embraced the lie. I'm a second-class citizen. I'm a failure. I'm too broken to be used of God. Those are lies of the devil. I wish I could tell all of us that when you get saved, you'll never have any more bad experience in life. But that is not the case. Man that is born of woman is few days and full of trouble. Though I can't tell you we won't face it now, I can tell you this. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Someday the pain will be gone. The heartache will be gone. You know what? Sometimes... We need to say to God, God, I don't like this pain. God, I can't handle this pain humanly. But God, I know you're still at work in my life. God, I know you still have a plan for me. And God, amidst all the difficulty, I am going to stand on the truth of your word that says... And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You think about what God can do with broken people. When you really process what's happening here, humanly sometimes it's hard to, to digest. That's where we have to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to take what the scripture tells me. I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to believe in the most bad circumstances that anybody could go through. God is still at work in my life. And God can still use me. I want you to turn just for a second to the gospel of Matthew Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1. I want to read you three names in the genealogy here of, of Jesus Christ. In Esther's case, obviously, she was forced against her will. But in Matthew, chapter number 1, there are three ladies that are mentioned by name. I want to just get you to think just for a minute. In verse 3 of Matthew 1, And Judas begat Perez of Zerah of Tamar. Verse number 5, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. We looked at Tamar. We looked at Rahab. Look at the latter part of verse number 6. 
And David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. If you go to verse number 17, you'll see basically what it is, is the genealogy here of Jesus Christ. If you're familiar with these individuals, Tamar pretended to be a harlot and got pregnant by her father-in-law of her own will. Rahab, whenever she's referred to, and by the way, she's referred to in Hebrews 11, Rahab is always referred to Rahab the harlot, who was the wife of Uriah Bathsheba, who was in moral adultery with David. And yet God, in his sovereign great plan, includes these three women that we would think, he puts them in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because God is still at work in our lives, no matter what the circumstances we've faced. No matter what the past, our past does not need to determine the future. God is able to continue his work and to use us and accomplish his will in such a time as this. God's at work when you receive bad news. God's at work when you experience bad circumstances. But thirdly, let's go back to Esther 2. And I want us to see that God is still at work when we face bad or difficult people. The Bible says in verse number 8, I, they, he, uh, she came to um, the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women, this individual. Verse 9, And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. Here's an unsaved fella. Esther shows up, and God gives Esther favor. He speedily gave her her things for purification with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. She finds favor in his eyes. Look at verse 15. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. Uh, She just submitted to whatever he said. Here, take this with you. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Her favor went beyond just the keeper, the keeper of the women. Her favor went to all, and we know the story. So Esther, verse 16, was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. She had favor. One commentator said this, Hey guy, had a year-long treatment, a beauty treatment to prepare each woman for the king. It included a prescribed diet, the application of special perfumes and cosmetics, and probably a course on court etiquette. 
They were being trained to do one thing, satisfy the desires of the king. The one who pleased him would become his wife. Because of the providence of God, God gave Haggai, gave Esther favor. And he gave Esther special treatment and the best place in the house for her and for her maids. God was at work. Xerxes, we know, wasn't a Christian. He's pagan. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he, as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Proverbs 16 and verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap. We'll talk about the lot as we continue this book. But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You know, if Vashti had remained queen, she probably would have sided with Haman in getting rid of the Jews. Had Esther not been born into the Jewish race, she could have not saved the nation from being slaughtered. God was at work in her dealings with some bad people, God gave favor. You remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was mistreated by his brothers and he was sold into slavery and he shows up in Egypt and he shows up at the house of Potiphar and God gives him favor in Potiphar's house. And all that Joseph does, God causes to prosper. But wait, but wait a minute, just a minute. Joseph was mistreated. But wait a minute, Joseph is there with ungodly people. And Joseph kept his eyes on the Lord. And Joseph allowed God to work in his life and to use him in such a time as that. And then he's mistreated again and he's thrown into prison. And here he finds himself in prison for doing nothing wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. What did I do? Why do I deserve this? And God gives Joseph favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison says, go ahead, you can be in charge. And then Joseph interprets this dream for the butler and the baker. And, hey, remember me. And they forget about him until Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph says this to his brothers. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And there's individuals in which we interact with that are out for evil in our life. I think concerning Daniel, when he showed up, he was taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon and Daniel say, I can't eat this portion of the king's meat. I can't do this. And God gives him favor. And then when it comes time for the test, Daniel and his friends are better than all the others there. God comes through. The people that we have to interact with in life aren't fair. They don't play fair. We often forget that many of them, and I don't mean to be unkind when I say this, but many of them are of their father, the devil, and they, that's what they do, what the devil would have them do. And our hearts ought to be broken for people that are on their way to hell and that are living for the agenda of the devil. Our hearts ought to be broken for those individuals. Instead, sometimes we get frustrated and we want to strike them down with lightning, God. God is able and still at work. When we face bad and difficult people, and Esther's story shows us this. I think concerning the Apostle Paul, just preaching the gospel. He says to the church at Philippi, I'm going to summarize, hey, don't you worry about me. God wants to get the gospel to the palace too. You think about Agrippa and Felix 
and Festus. You think about the opportunities that Paul had to give the gospel to bad people. But God worked in those individuals' lives and gave him a forum to give truth. Sometimes we can doubt this. God is at work when we hear bad news. How could that happen? How could? Uh, I have a buddy of mine that sends me every Saturday. He sends me uh, things in the news. And uh, a year or so ago, I actually saw him face to face. And I, I said this in a very nice way. I said, is there any way you could send me one of those clips to be something good? Because I, I just get clips. Ten were beheaded. These preachers were blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of bad news. And you know what? We can think, all that happened and that happened. And these kids, where's God? God's at work. And then those experiences come to our life. And we think, hey, I'm just trying to do my thing. I'm just trying to go to work. I'm just trying to live for God. And all of a sudden, now I've got to deal with this. And we can very quickly go from... I love God and he's at work too. Where are you, God? Are you, are you really at work? Yes, he is. And then sometimes we're trying to do the will of the Lord and people can be difficult. And we think, hey, the boss, the co-workers, I have good co-workers. I get along with myself pretty good. Actually, my wife helps me. I get along with her pretty good too, you know. <laughs> but the reality is people can be difficult but God is still at work by the way sometimes people can mistreat us because they're under deep conviction from God and they have a hard time with it God is still at work in such a time as this and he wants to use us if we'll let him. Thank you, Lord, for Esther. Lord, when I 